We're so glad that you're here today. Welcome. If, uh, if you're new here and you haven't met me yet, my name is Casey Pate. I am so glad to be with you today. And I have to admit, just starting off, I didn't really know the announcements before today, but um, it hurt my heart a little bit in the video announcements because uh, confession time. Uh, if you must know that my family, we're huge superhero people, okay? Just Massive superhero fans, all the movies. But at the end of the day, my husband and I are really like DC loyalists. Oh, I know, I know, I know. But listen, I can admit, like I can admit that Marvel's done a way better job with the movies, okay? I know they've got some work to do, but at at our core, Chris and I are like Superman people. And we've got like the socks, the coffee mugs, the shirts, the, I mean, you name it, we've got it. Superman is the best. He always will be. We're like binging a 20-year-old show called Smallville right now. If anybody like, some of you are laughing because you're like, yeah, I know that like teeny bopper show, weird show that, yeah, we're watching that because it's about Superman. But um, so when they... When they had that little cut to Superman on the video announcements, I'm still recovering from that, but it's okay. We, we, can, we can admit that uh, this was an amazing, amazing movie. So that is where I'm going to come from today. But I just had to give a shout out to Superman because we love him. And uh, now we're moving on to Marvel. All right. So today we're continuing in our At the Movies series. And, you know, what's so great about movies is the storytelling that captures us. It's just something about a, a story that's real well-written and well-told that, that really just captivates our hearts, our imaginations, all of the things in that great intro video. And this movie is definitely one of those. So we have, in case you haven't noticed, we have Avengers Endgame today. And, uh, you know, just make a disclaimer, uh, spoiler alert's coming. So um, it's been out since April. So I feel like um, if you haven't seen it yet, that's okay. But also, it's kind of on you because it's been out since April. So uh, go watch it after this if you haven't. I apologize. Sorry, not sorry. Spoilers ahead. I will actually tell the best part of the movie and the saddest part of the movie. So anyway, let's read a quick synopsis of this just to refresh our memory or in case you have not seen the movies. All right. So we are left at the very like cliffhanger last movie. So after half of all of life, is snapped away by Thanos. The Avengers are left scattered and divided. Now with a way to reverse the damage, the Avengers and their allies must assemble once more and learn to put their differences aside in order to work together and set things right. Along the way, the Avengers realize that sacrifice, sacrifices must be made as they prepare for the ultimate final showdown with Thanos. My voice really isn't low enough for effect, but I'm like, I'm really trying, guys. Which will result in the heroes fighting the biggest battle they've ever faced. Wow. Now, I could have gone many ways with this movie. I mean, that's what I love about superheroes because it just provides so much material, so much application, and especially spiritually, I just feel like we're constantly finding something out of superhero themes that we can apply. So, I mean, I was like, oh, we can do like the, we've overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, the ultimate in-game battle. We could like so rock that message today. I decided not to go that route. I kind of thought about the idea of talking about community and how important it is that we all work together because we all have all these gifts and, and talents and things that we do and we need each other to win the battle. Like I almost did that because I'm a huge, like I love to see people empowered and run in their lane. I really want to talk about that. But ultimately, I think there's kind of an overarching theme 
in this movie, specifically in the, in the series, that I feel like we find ourselves in a lot, and so I do want to talk about it today. And to do that, we have to actually go back to the end of the last movie, which was Infinity War. So for those of you that haven't seen the movie, there's a scene towards the end that they're fighting this big bad Thanos guy we were talking about. The, the mask Sierra was wearing in the announcements that was hilarious. Um, Thanos, they're, they're fighting him, right? So they look over and all of a sudden Doctor Strange, this cool character who travels through time, is doing like this... Uh, like demon possessed looking thing, right? He's like, and they're like, what is he doing? I don't understand. Like when I watched it, I was like, this is like exorcist stuff. Like this looks really weird. But they, they go over to him and they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, actually, as a matter of fact, I traveled forward in the future to see how many like scenarios and possibilities that we could win. And they're like, well, how many did you see? And he's like, well, I saw 14,605. That's, uh, wow, that, that had to be very exhausting for him, 14 million scenarios. And they say, and how many of them do we win? And what does he say? One, one out of 14 million. Wow, okay, so that's kind of dramatic. So they're like, oh, great, so we win, but it's like, wow, these are really not great odds. So after he says that, he proceeds a little bit later to ultimately turn over the stone that he is protecting. There's all of these stones, and the goal, the whole goal of this movie was to not let Thanos get these stones, because if they all come together on the glove, it's like over. It's really bad. So that's like the whole goal, and then actually he proceeds to hand over, you can go to the slide, the hand, he hands over the time stone to Thanos, and then he says this phrase, we are in the end game now. And he knows that he has set something into motion by doing that. And you have to know that they were all looking at him like, bro, what is what, what did you just do? I mean, this was like the only thing. You're, you had one job, and your one job was to protect the time stone and not let Thanos have it. And then you just handed it over to him? Are you kidding me? And then for those of us that have seen the movie, we understand what happens. All the stones come together. I had to. I just had to because I just wanted to be cool. I wanted to wear the glove today. All the stones came together in the infinity gauntlet and the big snap happens. I practiced the snap a lot. And let me tell you, it didn't go well. So I was going to plan a whole moment like the lights go out and like my hands are too small. So, um, but he, he snaps, it's over. And then everybody like dust, you know, Spider-Man, I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark, you know, and it's so sad. Spider-Man, don't die. They all, so, especially my kids, they like love that, that actor. And they're like, no, no, no. But so this is interesting, right? This is how the movie ends before Endgame starts. The movie ends looking very, very, very bad. They are uh, missing now some of their friends, they're missing half of the universe, is now gone. And so they find themselves standing in this gap in between knowing that Doctor Strange has actually seen the future and he's been to the future. And he came back with one scenario that wins. They're standing in the gap between that place where they know that and what they see in front of them, which looks like failure. It looks like this is not how this was supposed to happen. It looks like we are not supposed to be here doing this right now. So they're in this strange place. 
And I actually want to talk about that today because I feel like we are standing in that gap all the time in life, in scenarios, in situations that we find ourselves having to go, okay, I think I know what's going to happen, but this sure does not look good right now. I don't really understand what is happening. They, they just decide, like, you know what, we're just going to have to move on and trust this thing here. They're going to they're gonna just move forward. So basically the whole in-game movie, right, is them trying to go back and fix everything. And then towards the end of the movie, we see... They're fighting. We all know Iron Man plays a giant role in this movie, right? When he looks at him in the other movie and says, one, you, you know how sad that was, right, when you saw Endgame. Because you're like, he knows he's going to die and he's so sad about it. So he has like this dramatic pause. And then it makes sense later. And you're like, oh, man. That was, so, that was a good moment right there. So at the end of the movie, they're fighting Thanos. They're fighting Thanos. And Iron Man is just kind of, I think the whole time, he's just kind of maybe sort of bought into it, like hoping it's going to work out. But he doesn't really trust a lot of people very easily. So towards the end of the movie, they're fighting because everybody came back, right? Doctor Strange came back. And that was the other thing. Like, Doctor Strange disappeared. So they couldn't actually ask him, like, well, so, like, how does it happen? Like, what are we going to do? How does this all play out? Like, what are our instructions? Well, he you know, dust, he disappeared. So they couldn't actually ask him what to do. But he comes back at the end and they're fighting and Iron Man looks over him at, at him and says this to him. I like memed this up for you guys because it's like, you know, we're a meme culture. So that's a meme and not mean. You're, that sounded like I could have said you're mean, but you're not mean. You're a meme culture. So he looks at him, right? This is Iron Man. And he says, hey, you said one out of 14 million we win, yeah? Tell me this is it. And what does Dr. Strange say back to him? If I tell you what happens, it won't happen. Now, I think he says this for a couple of reasons. I think one of the reasons he says this is because he knows Tony Stark is kind of a stubborn and prideful guy. He's very, very, very brilliant, but he's also stubborn and prideful. So I think maybe he would probably try to help him out. Like, oh, well, that's a great idea, but my idea is better, so let me do it this way. Like, he probably would have been tempted to step in and kind of get in the middle and decide how he wanted to do it. Secondly, I think that he knew Tony was going to die. Iron Man was about to die. And if he told him that, that, hey, you're about to actually go sacrifice your life for this thing, um, he might have counted the costs in that moment and said, uh, yeah, I'm good, no thanks, and uh, somebody else can do this. Because at the beginning of the movie, right, everyone loses everything except him. He gets it all. He gets the family, the kid, the life he always wanted. And so he's like, I'm good, guys. I don't want to help. We're good. Like, I can't risk this. This is too much. And so he would have probably counted the costs in that moment. He may or may not have gone through with it. So I think that's why he didn't say that. He, didn't, he couldn't tell him what happens. And I think that we do this actually with God quite often, um, if we're honest. I think, I think we um, overestimate ourselves because we think we can just handle all this information. We think, oh, God, you know, if you just showed me what you're up to, if you showed me your plan, then I, would, I could do this so much better. I could, like, handle all the suffering. Like, I could take it if I just knew what was going to happen, if you just hold me the future. But would it, would it be better? Like, would we really let God do that? Or would we kind of help him make things come to pass? If he showed us everything in advance, would we like run towards it full of faith? Or would we count the cost and go, ah, I don't know. 
know. Before we moved here 10 years ago, uh, my husband and I, uh, the pastor of the church, if, if, if God would have shown us the whole like movie of 10 years uh, and what all we were going to go through and what was happening, I, we might have like counted the cost of that and been like, yeah, peace out. Uh, we're good. My guys, Houston's going to have a great church, but we're not the ones that are going to take it, okay? We're just 30 years old. We've never done this before. Okay, somebody better can do this. But, um, you know, so I don't know that it would be better if we knew. But just in case, I'm going to give you some scenarios. Like I said, I memed this for you guys. Here's some, like, potential memes of maybe some things that we do. Um, So here's some scenarios. Just tell me if I will ever get my dream job. If I tell you what happens, it won't happen, right? Go to the next one. Just tell me this season will pass and it will be worth it. Uh, If I tell you what happens, it won't happen. The next one. Just tell me if I ever find the one. If I tell you what happens, it won't happen. The last one is actually a personal example that we've had um, over the years. Like, God, just tell us when we're going to get a building and, like, where it's going to be. If I tell you what happens, it won't happen. If you're new, then um, we have a history. We'll just say that, okay? Uh, We, like, went through lots of, we lost buildings. We Jericho marched and prayed and fasted, and we just knew that this was it, and it wasn't. So this was was my personal um, mean contribution. But would it be, would it really be better if we knew? Could God actually trust us to go on the path he's laid out for us and everything happen how he has designed it to happen? Or would we try to take over? Or would we try to do it our own way? Or would we see the end and go, ah, that's not, nah, that's not worth it. And in the movie, ultimately, Iron Man had to trust that Doctor Strange saw the end, right? He actually went there, and he saw the, the scenario that they won. And he had to trust that and look around, and everything else didn't make sense, and he didn't know what was going to happen. But ultimately, he had to say, okay, well, I guess we'll do this because you saw the end already and you know, and we're all just guessing. So we're going to just fall in line with that. And I think that's what I just want to talk a little bit about today because, like I said earlier, we, we find ourselves in this gap quite often. Um, and really it comes down to, do we trust God? Do we trust him? Do we really trust him? I think most of you in this room would say, I love God, um, you know, and, and maybe if, if you're new and, and, you, and you don't know Jesus, maybe you don't say that, but he probably seems like kind of a great guy from the outside looking in. And um, I think most people would say, yeah, I really want to do the right thing. I really don't want my way ultimately because I know that God knows better. I think we want that, but it's kind of difficult to quantify trust. It seems a little abstract, yeah? It seems a little like, okay, I trust God, but what does that mean? Like, what, what does it actually look like to walk out trust? Um, okay, I know that I'm like, maybe the, the Lord has just set you free from that works mentality. I have to earn everything. I have to earn God's love. I have to earn his favor. I have to earn his, his plan for my life. And then maybe you're so set free from that, but then you're like, now what? 
I can't earn it, so I'm not going to go out and make it happen, but do I just sit around and just wait for God to show up and do what he's going to do? I think this is a very common thing we find ourselves asking and wondering about, and I know this for a fact because I've talked to a lot of you, and it seems like in this season right now, a lot of you are in this scenario. A lot of you are like, I'm in this gap. I know maybe you've prayed. Maybe you're believing God for something. Maybe someone spoke to God and and shared it through them and gave you a word, and you know something is coming. Maybe there's multiple scenarios, but you're like in that gap where it hasn't happened yet, and maybe the things that are happening around you are actually kind of the opposite, and they don't really make a lot of sense. So what do we do in that? How in that space, in that gap, how can we trust God? And so I just want to talk about three just practical things today. This is not an exhaustive list. There's lots and lots of ways that we can build our trust because ultimately trust requires faith. It requires our activation of belief that God is going to do it, that he has the end game, that we can trust him, that he is good. And faith is the, according to Hebrews 11.1, faith is the substance of things we hope for and the evidence of things not seen. This is the currency we use for trust because in order to trust, we have to have the faith to believe that we can trust God. So these are the three things we're gonna look at today. Again, not like a complete list, but I think this is a pretty good start because these are pretty foundational. We're gonna employ the word in the battle of the mind. We're gonna worship our way into perspective and we're gonna walk in the path that's in front of us now today. So let's look at the first one. Again, these are, these are ways that we can put trust in God when we're not out busy trying to make it happen, but we're actively doing something. It doesn't mean we sit there and just wait on God to show up. We have to move, and these are ways that we can move, all right? When we talk about ways to get more faith to trust, the word actually tells us how we can do it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. There it is right there. The Bible answered our question, how do I increase my faith? To increase your faith according to the Bible, it says, get in the Bible more and learn more of what the Bible says because that builds our faith. Now, this is a giant, giant battlefield. Our minds, I think we underestimate how big the battlefield in our mind is. And I would love to say that we could Thanos snap this thing and like we're done and like we've got ultimate victory over our mind and we'll never have to worry about it again, but it's just not the case. We will be fighting a battlefield in our mind until Jesus comes back because we have a spirit inside of us and, and, and God, we are a spirit, but we also have a soul and we live in a body. So our mind, our will, and our emotions and our flesh are constantly battling against what we know to be true. And so if we're not equipped to battle and be in that fight, then our soul and our our emotions and our flesh will take over. So there's always going to be circumstances and emotions, things around us that will contradict what we know to be true. If we know God, we we trust him, we say, Lord, I know these things about you, God. You said this, you said this. And then you look around you and there's actually things surrounding you that's very, very opposite of what God says. So we find ourselves in a place where we have to trust, and one of those ways is putting the word on it. I've had a great opportunity, I would say, great, but um, not, not great, but good uh, that I'm going through it, but um, 
every time you do a message, it never fails. You get like the great opportunity to practice the things you're talking about. So uh, many of you know, um, it just hit level four, which uh, is our language of saying 40, um, but level four sounds better. So we're going to go with that. But um, listen, the week leading up to level four was not what I planned it to be, okay? I was super excited about it. And then all of a sudden, I had all these mystery things in my body that were really painful and not great. And so I ended up at the doctor, put me on medicine. They said, ah, we think it's this. Well, then three days later, I ended up in the ER because they're still trying to figure out and they still can't answer what's going on. And honestly, that was a few weeks ago. To this day, I still don't have an answer. In a couple of days, I'm having even more tests run. I'm like, I'm so done with this, guys. I'm done. But I still don't know what it actually is. And so that can be a very unsettling feeling um, when they throw around big, scary words and things like that. And I found myself doing this. I know, I know what God says. I know who he is. I know the scriptures to stand on. Yet I still laid in my bed awake at night and letting all those thoughts come in, right? Um, I, I held the phone and I had WebMD pulled up. Don't do it. You know that you're not supposed to do that, right? You know it because when you look it up, you're going to die, okay? Every... <laughs> Right? Am I, am I like, am I right or am I right? I mean, it's like everything ends with you're dying, okay? So don't do it. Don't do it. But I, I knew it was right here. It was right here. Don't do it. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. I looked at it. And so, of course, I'm dying. But, um, I, you know, all of those things, like, I had to in that moment go, wait, wait. There's a battle happening in my mind right now, and I am not fighting it. And if I do not fight, worry and anxiety and fear are going to take over because I'm thinking about what I don't know instead of focusing on what I do. So in those situations we're faced with, we always have the choice to focus on the things that we know, which increase our faith, which go, oh, yeah, this is who God is. This is what he says. And the unknown, which is the unknown. And it's very scary. And it takes over. And it, it fights in our minds. So we have to put the word in our battles. If you have to write it on your mirror, whatever you have to do to remind yourself and keep it in front of you, we have to employ the word if we're going to build and increase our faith to trust God with the end game. All right? Next one. We're going to work worship our way into perspective. And I'm not just saying this because I've led worship for over 20 years. Like, it's, it, yeah, 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 of course you would say that. But I, it's, it's very true. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it to you. But worship, we know worship is more than just singing, okay? It's a lifestyle. I don't have time to really qualify that, but let's just have an understanding. When I say worship, worship is a lifestyle. It's many, many, many things. It's not just singing songs and music. But sometimes it is singing and, and praising God out loud. And I'm going to take us to like an Avenger-ish plot in the Old Testament where we see this in action. Like imagine that, um, the Bible inspiring movie plots and literature and music since all of time. Um, it's actually a very great book. It's very inspired. So we should not be surprised. But um, this is a shortened version. And actually, I'm like, I love this. is one of my favorite passages. I actually preached an entire message on just this when we were back in the theater um, talking about worship as warfare in the battle. But um, this is a very similar plot, okay? We find ourselves 
in this place where um, these people are getting ready for battle. It's a good king. He loves God. He's seeking him. He's doing all the right things. And then he finds out they're about to be attacked. And it's like, whoa, whoa, this doesn't make any sense because we're doing all the right things. We're good. Like, I'm seeking God. And yet they find themselves about to be in a battle and they're a little bit blindsided by it. And I, like, side note here, sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of battles we were not expecting or we were prepared for. And that is not always because God is doing something to you. Sometimes he's trying to do something through you and set you up in a place where he gets a lot of glory and he gets to show the world who he is. So we tend to sometimes think that God's just after me and when something bad happens, he's doing this to me. He's not always doing it to you. Sometimes he's setting you up to do something through you. So that's for free. I'm just going to throw that in there before we move on. But um, so... We find ourselves here, and we're going to kind of parachute in because we can't read the whole passage. But um, his, his response is immediately to pray about it. And my favorite verse that's not going to show is verse 12 that says, We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I quote that all the time. I pray it all the time. It rhymes, so it's super easy to memorize, so you can also quote it too. But um, we're going to pick up here Second Chronicles chapter 20. I said two and wrote two in the first service. I looked biblically illiterate, but we fixed it. Thank you, team, in the back. Um, so I'm not going to read all of it, but basically he's saying, you know, hey, guys, listen, don't be afraid. Tomorrow this is going to go down. But listen to what he says in, in verse 17. He says, you will not need to fight in this battle. What? That's weird. Like, we're kind of an army. We fight. That's what we do. Stand firm. Hold your position. See the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Go out tomorrow against them and the Lord will be with you. That is cool. But I, I think they may, might have still been a little confused. Like, wow, this is great news. We're going to win. We don't have to do anything. Are, are there any more instructions about that? Uh, are there like... Is there like an order of service here? Is there like the plan? Uh, like he didn't really tell them any of that. He just said, hey, the battle is yours. You win and you don't even have to fight to do it. So they're like, okay. I love their response because these response is immediately to worship God. Immediately like, God, you're amazing. Thank you for delivering us. And so they chose in that moment I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to end up. But we're going to choose to worship in advance and declare and thank God for his victory that is yet to come. And that's an activation of faith. So look next. We skip down a little bit. Skip a few verses. So they go. They're taking counsel with the people. They appointed those who were to sing and the Lord to the Lord, praise him in holy attire. As they went before the army, super weird. Singers are like going out in front of the, the army. Like that had to have looked a little strange. And they maybe felt a little bit strange doing it. Like this doesn't really make any sense, but this is what we're going to do because we know God said we win. And then they praise him. And then verse 22, when they began to sing in praise, the Lord set an ambush. Now, I want to point out here that it says when they began. It didn't say before they started singing, God did it. It says when they did it. There was something about the activation, that declaration of God, you're going to do it. I don't know how it's not done yet, but you're going to do it. That made God go, boom, it's done. So their faith activated God's plan. 
And worship can do that. It can remind us of who God is. We can make declarations by faith in advance before it happens because we know who God is. We remind ourselves. We remind ourselves that he is on the throne and we are not. We remind ourselves that he is in control and we are not. We basically have two choices in any given scenario. We can worship or we can worry. Really, it's probably going to be one of those two things. And let me bring this. Worship ignites faith, brings God's promises to life. Worry ignites fear and feeds the lies of the enemy. So how important is it to have worship in our battling when we fight? It's very, very important because it helps us remember God. It helps us get into perspective and go, this doesn't make sense, but God, I'm going to praise you through it. And I'm going to declare in advance by faith the victory has already been won and worship our way into that victory. Amen? So it's powerful. It's a powerful weapon. All right, let's talk about the last thing. The last thing is simply walking in the path that's in front of you now. Now, I'm not, I don't mean by that just like whatever you want to do. Like, this choice looks good. I will walk in this. Or, I like this path. I'm not talking about you choosing. I'm talking about you looking around and seeing where you're at, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's not where you wanted to be, and choosing to still walk in it. Choosing to still put one foot in front of the other until God shows up and does what I know he can do. I don't understand it, but I'm going to walk in it because you could not walk. You could look at your options and go, this is, none of this is good. I don't want any of this. And so I'll do nothing. But an act of faith is actually walking into something that doesn't make sense because ultimately your faith is in God. Your trust is in God, not in this path, not in where it's heading. Because let me tell you, God loves to Mr. Miyagi us all the time. What I mean by that, right, Karate Kid, for most of you, most of you get the reference, right? He's wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. I just want to fight. I'm frustrated. I'm mad at you. You're a terrible teacher. Wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. This doesn't make any sense. This is dumb. Why am I here? I'm going to find a different teacher. Wax on, wax off. And what do you know? When he shows up for battle, he's ready because he was preparing him in a way that he didn't know, but he was, that's what he needed, so we don't, in our grand knowledge and scheme of things, we sometimes think that we know what it's going to take to get us there, and we choose the path. And God goes, no, this is the path. This is the path. You may not like it. It may not make sense. But if you will walk in it, I promise it's going somewhere. I promise you're going to get there. And I, I think there's a great example of this actually in Endgame. When they're going back to retrieve the stones, they're going back in time, and um, Hulk's job is to go um, find the ancient. I had to look up her name, the, the bald lady with Dr. Strange. Her name is actually the ancient one. Like, really, that, that's her name, the ancient one? Like, we couldn't have done better by her. I, I kind of feel like that's, that's uh, not a great name. But nonetheless, her name is the ancient one. And she is the one guarding this, this stone I talked about earlier, the time stone. Right? And he goes to her. 
and he explains the plan. This is what I need you to do. And she's like, no, 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 no. Sorry, my sole purpose in this life is to guard this stone. Like this is really all I'm made for. And like, I cannot give this stone to you. you. You don't know what to do with it. So they fight, right? She like takes his essence or I don't even know what that is when like she hits him and Bruce Banner comes out the back. I'm not even sure. But they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting until... He says to her, like, hey, so Dr. Strange gave this stone over to Thanos. And immediately, she goes from fighting to the next slide, handing the stone to him and saying, hey, uh, he must have done this for a reason. I don't get it, but I, I just know that I have my place in this thing. And like, he's the one ultimately, like she knows the future. He's going to be the one that's going to carry the stone. And if he gave it away, he had to have a good reason. And so in that moment, she had to walk in the path. She didn't know. She didn't know how it was going to turn out. She didn't understand what was happening, but she knew that he saw the end and he did it. There was some reason. So she handed it to him and said, hey, good luck with this. You know, hey, bring it back later, you know, restore all the stones and, and all that good stuff. But she understood that she was aligning herself in a path that she didn't understand, but she was taking her part in it. And let me say, if God is asking something of you today that doesn't make sense, or asking you to let go of something that's very important to you, like that stone, are we going to trust that he's doing it for a reason? Are we going to trust that he's taking us somewhere? Are we going to trust that his end game for us is for your good and not evil? Are we going to trust that he is good and that he has good for us? And that's actually a very difficult thing to do. We can't see into the future, but we can see what's in front of us today. What can you do today? What's in front of you? that you go, well, I can't really do anything else, but this, for whatever reason, is in my path. Like the Avengers, they didn't know how it was gonna work out, but they knew like, hey, I, I know how to use this. Like this was made for me specifically. I don't know how the end is gonna happen, but I know how to use this thing. So I'll just jump into the battle and do what I know how to do. Um, they all had their part and they all had to just go, I'm just going to do what's in front of me right now because that's all I know, but I'm trusting it's going somewhere and that we're going to win in the end. And so I'm just going to ask you as we close, just put that slide with the three things. Thank you. Where are you at today? What, what three of those things maybe do you need to, to work on? Maybe it's just the whole picture. Maybe it's, I just need to work on trusting God, period. Um, it's hard. Like we made it fun with superhero things and, you know, um, use the movie. But this actually is a very difficult thing, but it's so foundational to your walk with God. If you cannot trust him with your life, that he has good for you, that he has plans for you, then it's going to be very difficult for you to step into the places that God has put in front of you for you to do if we cannot trust him. Are you holding on to something today that God is asking you to loosen your grip on? Are, are, you, are you keeping a stone that needs to go in this glove where it can serve its ultimate purpose that God is asking you to let go of? 
We're gonna take a moment and, and close. And as we do, I want you to think about that. And this is kind of cheesy, but as you leave today, just humor me, okay? I wanted to give you a tangible thing in your hand as you leave. As you leave, there's gonna be some baskets at the back of the room and everyone is gonna take an, an infinity stone um, home with you today. And I want you to look at that stone and, and remember that this represents something God might, asking, might be asking you to let go of. What can I trust God with that I'm holding on to today? How can I increase my faith to trust God? We're gonna ask the worship team to come out. We're gonna close. And we're going to worship because we need God to make us brave. We cannot do this thing in and of ourselves. And maybe today you are holding, you've never trusted anyone else with your life, much less God. You've been burned. You've been let down. You've been disappointed. You've been hurt. And you said, no, I'm good. I got this. I'm going to hold my stone and I'm fine. I built up my walls. I am in control of my own life. I can do this. And that's quite a gamble on your end game if you're not willing to trust someone else and specifically God with that. So maybe he's putting that on your heart to let go for the first time, to maybe trust him ultimately with your life, believing that he is good, believing he gave his life for you and me so that we could know him, experience victory and eternal life. So would you stand to your feet and let's worship for a minute. And um, I'm believing, I'm activating my faith today by believing there will be an impartation of faith for you to believe as we worship. Lord, would you just increase our faith today? Lord, we stand before you and we know that we are insufficient. We cannot do this on our own. But I'm believing today that when we leave this place, our faith will be built, our trust will be built, and we can say, God, you're good. I don't understand what's happening around me, but you're good, and I can trust you. God, make us brave. We worship you. We love you. In Jesus' name.